Okay, welcome to a special episode of the United Pubcast. Now, this has probably been released during an international break to fill the void of no football, and we're taking advantage of time to actually talk about something or talk about better times because it's not the most enjoyable season. So, one of the most enjoyable seasons or two seasons in our recent history is obviously the 2007 2008 season and the 08 09 season. So what we've mentioned before on the podcast is any of our listeners, whether you're in Sydney or online, if you do have a specific topic you want to talk about, whether it be a season or a player's career, or maybe it's sort of a bigger, bigger issue at the club in general, feel free to get in touch and you can come on the podcast and we can discuss it over a drink for an hour or so. So Josh is with us, he's been on the podcast before from the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. Um, well, you can tell by the title, it is the 07-08 and 08-09 season which he has wanted to talk about so yeah i definitely said yes because it's obviously better times to talk about so first of all thank you for the topic and bring him back no no times. worries no it's honestly probably my favorite time um as a united fan obviously excluding 99 which yeah. i just about remember as a, as a six seven year old but 2007 to 2009 i'm 16 years old 15 16 going on to you know 17 towards the back end of 2009 and as a school kid, or just going into my last years of school, phenomenal time to be a United fan. You have the bragging rights around all your friends, you either United or the City, and obviously City just coming into the billions around about then. It's just a great time to be a United fan, so much success. And the football as well was probably some of the best football I've experienced as a United fan. Um, for a long, long time. And you, long, went, long you time. went to a lot of the games? Yeah, around the periods, yeah, definitely a lot yeah. of the home games. Um, not so much the away games back then still a little bit too young um, and probably not earning enough money back then as a, as a school kid but um, yeah definitely went to a lot of the home games and some really fond memories of that period yeah, well we'll definitely get into like, sort of best memories um, from both yourself for a personal reason but yeah. also actually the football inside of things now just a bit of a side note before we get started apologies if we mix up the two seasons because I look back at those two seasons and I vote so similar and I think one of the reasons are so similar which is a rarity these days is we wore the same kit in both those seasons so sometimes a lot of the, a lot of the memories that fight back to, pe- to fans mind is based on the shirt that we're wearing and that time we were so good scoring so many goals but it was actually the same kit so um, if we do mix up any seasons if we say this was in that season we do apologise but um, you know what we mean so that's actually the last two years where we'd wear the same kit yeah. for consecutive seasons I I think know, 2007 2006-7 was a rare one yeah. but before that we were wearing kits simultaneously for two two years I, th- I think they should and this is a debate for another day but I think they should do some look it probably won't happen but I think the government should step in or some, somebody should step in and make it a law where you should hold, hold a kit for at least two seasons yeah. understand the money in the game makes it near impossible but um, it is good I think because I don't spend money on kits anymore, or no. maybe one kit every couple of years. But but that's why we're so good commercially because yeah. you know we can oh. sell we can sell the kits. So yeah. why not? Exactly. Well, we might as well start on 0708 and talk about spending money and who we did bring in. We brought in Owen Hargreaves from Bayern Munich. Yeah, that was um, an undisclosed undisclosed fee. And obviously Anderson Nani both and Nani from both from Portugal. And the weird signing was on loan um, Carlos Tevez yes. from West Ham it was initially on a two year loan wasn't it it was a two year loan, two year um, loan. I think there was an option to buy but there was I don't think we were aware of the complications with yeah. him obviously the Sheffield United thing had come out towards the back end of the season when they found out so they, they lost an appeal during the 7 8 season but I don't think there was anything untowards about his signing we were very happy I mean 
You're yeah. coming after a really successful, I'd say successful West Ham with fighting relegation, survived on the last day, but individually he was their West Ham player, yeah. he was West Ham's best player. He still gets uploaded today um, yeah. or in recent years when he has returned to um, Upton Park and now the Olympic Stadium, yeah. Yeah, well, I think we'll definitely get into Tevez because I think he was, over the two seasons, such a pivotal player and I think it hurts so much the way he did leave and what's happened, um, obviously, post his departure. So we'll definitely get into Tevez, but Hargreaves, again, almost a similar, very good when he was here, but then just sort of faded away, and it's yeah. almost after he's left the club, he's fallout with Ferguson, etc. Um, I think he was bought in, he was sort of that versatile player. I mean, if you think about who left that year, um, before 07, 08, there was no one really in that holding midfield role. I know Kieran Richardson, uh, he left, I think, in January anyway, but... I think he was bought in to sort of complement Carrick, provide that option um, in midfield as well. I know Fletcher wasn't playing as much in the 07 08. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a signing I was actually probably more excited about, maybe disregarding Tevez, but if you look at Nanny and Anderson, I had probably had more of awareness of Owen Hargreaves because he was getting in the England squad. He was actually in the 06 um, World, World Cup, Cup team. Then. I think he was the only one that scored the penalty against Germany, uh, one of the only ones that scored a penalty. Um, and obviously, you play for Bayern Munich. You know, you don't need to. That says yeah. that says everything, really. He yeah. was a regular in Bayern Munich's team. So yeah, really positive signing. Um, yeah, when someone we, I was excited about. Yeah, no, hundred. Uh, I probably think at the time, and obviously the signings sort of proved you wrong over time. But at the time, I think Hargreaves definitely was the most exciting one, or the most I think needed signing. Yeah. As you mentioned, but I think as we go through this, we will try and keep it in some type of chronological order. So going through the seasons in order. But I think once someone reminds someone of a goal or a certain player we might go off on different tangents but we'll do our best to come back into some type of order now the fitting thing about that first season the 0708 season is it started with a penalty shootout win against Chelsea and then finished with a shootout win yeah. against Chelsea in Moscow so um, we obviously did win the charity shield that season along with the Premier League and Champions League double so you look at that on paper and you think what an unbelievable season however you look at the first three games of that season there was a draw at Reading where Rooney breaks his foot. Yeah. Ronaldo gets sent off in the second Portsmouth, game. Yeah. And then we lose the Manchester derby on the third yeah. game. And I think we're sitting in 17th or 18th in a not, not relegation battle. I mean, could you imagine a th- three-game start like that these days? It was, it was horrendous. And obviously losing to City. And it, it was one of them games... And, and City weren't City yet. City was No, and I, and I remember Giovanni scored for City. Yeah. I remember you used, used to play for Barcelona Giovanni back in the day... Um, but it was a crack. I remember it was a cracking goal. It was like from twenty yards out, twenty-five yards out, just a thumping shot into the bottom left corner. Um, but it was one of them games where we actually dominated against City, and we missed a lot of chances. I remember Tevez, right? Yeah, missed for less than a meter. <laughs> and you're just thinking, oh, it's going to be one of them years. And you know, we've just broken the mould from Chelsea, winning you know two consecutive titles the season before. And you thought, oh, you know, we've got a bit complacent here at the start of the season. And the games really you should be winning. Reading at home, for example. Yeah. So. The, the one I remember about Reading at home, it's one of those, um, I would say trivia questions, but everyone looks back at sort of some of our utility players. And for, from my mind, and maybe there's someone in the past, maybe in the 60s or 70s who has done it, but John O'Shea, for me, is the only player who has played in every single position for us. So he's played in goals, yeah. he's played across the back four, he's played in midfield. And I remember that Reading game, he went on up front the last 10 minutes. Front, yeah. And um, I remember he had a chance to um, almost win it. But, um, yeah, there's my memory of that first game. Obviously, Rooney did break his foot and was out for a little bit. But just as I mentioned, Wayne Rooney there, and I think this is a, one of the tangents we'll go off on because this will be a common theme over the two seasons. 
but I think it almost sums up those two seasons, the Rooney and Ronaldo partnership. Obviously, they came back the season before, which obviously won the league and put that the post-World Cup yeah, drama to bed. Put a bed, fantastic season, went on to win the Premier League. But that these two seasons here, they kicked on to just a different level. I, I don't want to compare... Completely different partnership to Dwight York and Andy Cole in terms of the way they play, the positions they took up. But the partnership was lethal. Well, here's, here's another start I found for you. So... And this is un- un- unheard of nowadays. So pre-season in the modern day, you think, you know, you've got to have your commercial responsibilities. You play four, four or five games over the course of July to, to August, right? The pre-season in 0708, from July, I think it was July the 14th, and the first game of the season was August, like the 10th, if you, you know, disregarding the Charity Shield, yeah. play nine pre-season friendlies. Yeah. Nine pre-season friendlies before the season starts. A lot of international players now don't play pre-season Yeah, friendly. exactly. Uh, they, um, they come back. So look, you can. I mean, every every team's in the same boat. You know, League Two teams, some Premiership teams that don't have the budget. We do play, you know, a lot more games locally. But that's a lot of games for a pre-season. But yeah. you know, you can't blame you can't blame that. But it's, yeah. it's really a astounding figure. Yeah. No. Um, well, I think, and it's, we could do a whole podcast on Rudy Ronaldo. But you look at about that time, Ronaldo had fully like physically developed. Yeah. And he is one player where. Ferguson sometimes with important players sort of sometimes left them out here left them out there but Ronaldo was just playing yeah. regardless of what was happening I remember and here we go off on another tender the only game I went to in these two seasons was the following season uh, we played Celtic in the Champions League yeah. at Old Trafford and I remember the first game of the world going there to watch it and obviously it was about United for me it wasn't about individuals but um, I woke up the morning and seen all over the newspapers that Ronaldo had been dropped and obviously, we'll get into it, but he, we almost assumed that he had agreed to go to Real Madrid at yeah. the time. But I heard Ronaldo was dropped for this Celtic game. And it, was, it wasn't a must-win Champions League game, but a big game. And I was a bit disappointed. I was thinking, oh, God, I'm happy to be going. I'm excited. But I think, God, I, I wish Ronaldo was there. And this is before you have social media all over your phone. So I get to the ground, a bit disappointed. But then he obviously walks out for the warm-up. He played, played well. So I was really happy with that. But I don't remember an interview after the game. Um, they asked Ronaldo, or they sorry, they asked Ferguson about the news before the match, saying Ronaldo was out. And Ferguson said, "Yeah, he saw, read that in the paper this morning himself. And he barged into the office first thing this morning and said, what 'What's this?'" And he said, "No, you are playing. It's okay." <laughs> so, um, but he's one of those players, just so, and he doesn't now. What's he? Thirty-five now. Yeah. His first name on the team sheet. He plays. He doesn't get rested, and that's why his goal record is so impressive because he's playing the minutes together. And, and you look to that City game, the, the last game of the three that you know we dropped points in the first three games. And you sort of was looking for that little bit of quality because sometimes you can be firing on all cylinders and you just can't, you know, you can't get the goals or, you know, your, your team's playing well, you're having the shots on target, you're getting the stats, but you need that sort of individual quality to separate it. And there's so many times, as we'll discuss towards that season, where Ronaldo just rescued, 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 got a crucial goal. Um, big, big play as, as, we'll, as we'll see towards those two seasons. Well, it's one of those ones, Rooney and Ronaldo. You look at Rooney now as our all-time leading goal scorer and Ronaldo just set goal scoring record after goal scoring record. But again, they're not number nine. They're not strikers. They're no. just in and around. Like you think those goal scoring records would come from an actual striker. Where Ronaldo and Rooney, even in that season, their partnership was almost maybe someone on the left and on the right, but they still had a partnership. Yeah. It was weird how they just made it work. And um, this is obviously off the back of potentially or the media seemingly thinking that it was going to end the partnership because they didn't see eye to eye or their egos were going to get too big or, no, exactly. or Ferguson was going to get rid of one but um, I think it's a credit to their professionalism how 
there, was, there, was, there probably wasn't an issue between them. No. But, but even if there was... It's been but, documented many... Yeah. Like, Rooney's yeah. spoken out about it so many times, saying, look, we need to quash this as soon as possible. And, yeah, we're, we're going off topic here, but you looked at the first game of the season before, Fulham beating game. Fulham, and we didn't budge from top spot from then until the end of the season. And, yeah. you know, bred them all with against Chelsea. Um, so, yeah, we lost... Obviously, we dropped points in the first three games, but the next nine, we were unbeaten, winning eight of them. Yeah. So, really, testament to Ronaldo coming back, the team sort of gelling, the new signings coming together. And it wasn't easy. I think the next game was Tottenham at home. And we, I, remember, I remember that game really sticks out because we weren't playing well at all. Was that the game, pretty jogging my memory, it might be a few years later, the Nani... It was, uh, it was Nani's debut goal. Yeah, the, yeah, he, the long-range goal. He yeah. sort of had his back to goal, turned round yeah. and shot from about 30 yards out. And I remember the commentators going, not from there, <laughs> 30 yards, top left-hand corner, did his audacious split. Yeah, I, tried to ban it. <laughs> yeah, I remember that story of trying to ban that celebration. But I think any player, but especially Nani, who, who did divide opinion, um, and r- rightly so, he was a very frustrated player, but obviously moments like that is unbelievable. But it was almost a moment, it took a moment like that to almost spark the season and realise, well, the players coming in do have a bit about them. Yeah. Um, regardless of, OK, we do have quality in Ronaldo and Rooney, but you knew Tevez, I think he was... He's always performing well, whether the goals were coming or not quite, I can't, re- can't yeah. really remember. But um, Nani obviously had that ability. I really, I was really fond of Nani. I thought there was, I didn't think maybe those two seasons he really came into his own. It was probably more after Ronaldo left, and it's understandable. Yeah. I mean, he was a quality player, very similar position to what you, you thought Ronaldo yeah. was going to play in. Yeah. But that's testament to Fergie, really. really and, and Ronaldo, in the yeah. sense that, you know, he sort of adapted his game, became more of that clinical goal scorer. Which sort of allowed Nani to play in addition to him as well. Yeah. Um, one of the, God, it's not the Ronaldo podcast, but he is a big part of these two seasons. I just think we've got written down here. Um, we might as well get into our favourite Ronaldo goal because there are plenty of them. But the one that does stick out in that season is obviously the free kick. Yeah. Against Portsmouth. Yeah. And I think we've spoken about this um, previously on the podcast. It was one of those ones where you almost expected it, as outrageous as it was. When he's lined it up, you think. He's going to try and maybe get this hard dip on the ball over the corner into the top corner. And so, um, obviously it happened and David James was, well, what, was it, what do you want me to do? Shrugs his shoulder. I remember that game. Um, it's funny how certain things stay in your memory, but I remember that game. It was the 31st of January. It's the one after the FA Cup, fourth round. So it's, and it's, my birthday is always on the 28th, so obviously naturally yeah, yeah, my yeah. birthday stays the same. <laughs> but like the FA Cup week, fourth round was always around my birthday, so I could never really go to a game on a weekend. It would always be a midweek Wednesday after to make up. Um, and I remember my dad saying, oh, it'll be a lovely birthday present if Ronaldo scores this. And straight away, just, yeah. it, was, it was ridiculous. And I remember, I'd never seen hands on mouths in games, maybe a couple of times, the Rooney overhead kick. But the, the first time I saw that was when, when Ronaldo hit that. Yeah. But that's actually not the goal for me that sticks out um, in terms of that season. I think for me, one of the games later on in the season where we were really grinding results, we were playing a lot of games, we're still in the FA Cup at that point, and we had to play Derby at, uh, I think it was Derby at Pride Park and we I think we had about 30 chances and we just weren't weren't firing at all oh, Ronaldo, he missed, and Ronaldo, he missed I think Ronaldo missed about 10 yeah. of them chances and he scores uh, in about the 70th minute lovely tap finish in, not a tap in, but a... yeah but he gets the goal and he's it was a really important goal which sort of not cemented us on top because it went to the wire but it really you know yeah. shows that we can grit the results out and you know the games where you need that individual bit of quality yeah I remember that yeah because it was nil all for a while and yeah, yeah. Ronaldo, I remember the celebration from Ronaldo and he's just like he was, he was counting his missed chances yeah. like swearing at the bench 
And he's done that before. Obviously, looked to Fulham the season before when he, he scored that really important goal towards well, the end. I think obviously not in those two seasons, but in terms of a favourite Ronaldo goal would be that goal at Craven Cottage the season before. Um, just probably the importance, probably the way it went in front of the away fans and the celebration, and yeah. obviously what it meant at that time of the season. But over those two seasons, I think one that I would say get, gets overlooked, but um, two for me would be his header against Roma. Yeah. Uh, obviously in this season, but the following season away at Porto, that long yeah. range, which was just. And um, the important thing about that is, you know, we'll obviously talk about that season, but we were going out on away goals. Um, Porto had, were, got two away goals at Old Trafford it was 2-2 two -two. Yeah. so really really you know, that was a big goal yeah. big goal and obviously the, the header in the Champions League final was, was great yeah, you yeah. Can go on I remember watching a highlights video of his goals and usually you get like maybe a five minute video of someone's goals and it's all their goals in their career this was just five minutes of his best goals right? <laughs> yeah. like, unbelievable goals so um, yeah no, I'm sure Ronaldo will come into it a little bit more now by the time you listen to this you have hopefully already listened to our podcast we did episode 57 um, regarding Munich and remembering Munich and the Busby Babes now obviously one of the big moments of that season was um, the Munich anniversary match on the 50th yeah. or the 50th anniversary played Manchester City um, and it was one of those ones that sticks out for so many reasons and one of the reasons for me is obviously what the club did in terms of the kits which I think they should do and again we've spoken about this before they should do every year yeah. um, maybe obviously sponsorships might not allow that but I think it was a really nice touch but we were speaking last week about it that it was the one game the players went into where they didn't want to play and the, no. the players even like Ryan Giggs and players like that said I knew we were going to lose this game yeah. and it was just a, a weird atmosphere and you said you were there oh, yeah and I think I think as a fan um, it's probably I don't go to many obviously probably a bit more nowadays not feeling confident but I think that was the only game back then where we're at the peak of our success where I felt 99.9% .9 sure we we're going to lose that game um, just just in terms of the occasion and I think it you know it wasn't necessarily that we, necessarily that we were well, yeah we were poor yeah. but it was just you, just you could see it meant too much to them it meant yeah, a lot, yeah, it meant I, a lot. I, I, don't think, I don't think it was poor in terms of a quality no. issue it was just a, like the players were heavy and yeah. it just, the City had a, just a little bit more bite to them and and fair play to City they showed us that, you know they showed a lot of respect to, to yeah. the tragedy and they, they, were, they were silent throughout the game and I think the club did fantastic in, in terms of what they put on for the fans in terms of the commemoration and we've got the Munich you know the Munich tunnel yeah. um, as a result of that yeah, game yeah. as well which was um, yeah it was, it was eerie really eerie atmosphere as well yeah, no, I think the club, the, the club do everything um, or something every year, like a little memorial. But I really think, and again, 50th is obviously a big anniversary. And I remember we did one for the 60th where the players were all involved in the stadium. But I think the players should really make, or the club should make the players do more of a, yeah. a bit of an effort every year, even if it's the 63rd, 64th, yeah. whatever anniversary. One day a year, I think they really should do more. So if you haven't listened to our munich podcast episode 57 please do and thank you everyone for the kind feedback on that episode yeah just going back to city they were the only team that year to do the double over us were in they? the league yeah. yeah i mean the last five games that season and you look at the top quality teams in the league the only team city obviously not really at the height of their success as they are now but we lost to chelsea which were probably title contenders which were title contenders and the only other two teams we lost to were bolton and west ham so we were really you know Consistent against you know the big teams yeah. that are up there, Liverpool, uh, which we'll go on to that game, the three 0 game at Old, uh, Old Trafford, and yeah, so five games. So really, 
Well, on that was one of my, I don't know, it was one of my favourite looking back. God, it was over ten years ago now. But that Liverpool, the three 0 game at Old Trafford. Yeah. Probably the main reason I remember it. I think it was from memory Ronaldo's only goal against Liverpool. I remember he sort of yeah. always struggled against Liverpool a little bit. Um, I've got a great story about that game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really funny story. So I was, I think I was just turned seven. No, sorry, I was just turned sixteen at that game, and I started. Yeah, and don't try this at home if you're younger than 16 but I tried to um, start betting like under the radar and then my dad I tried to get my dad to put a bet on for me when we went to the game and he was just like oh can you do first goal scorer and I was just like he was just like yeah so I said put a bet on Wes, Wes Brown to score a first goal yeah. and he goes that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard I think Wes Brown had only scored one other goal before that for yeah. us or like something stupid West, he scored the first goal. Did you put it on? He didn't put a bet on. No, he just ref- he outright refused to put a bet on. I remember a guy. I forget. I think he was on the United We Stand podcast, Andy Mitten's podcast. Said a guy who sits at the back of the Stratford end every every game when Silvestre played used to put a two pound bet every game that Silvestre would be first goal scorer. Yeah. Just because with the one time it would come off, he would cover his bets <laughs> for the season. So, um, but on on West Brown, I think. Did West Brown actually get credited with the goal? It was a bit of a... Yeah, he got credited with Kind of off his back. Yeah. But um, I think that's the reason I remember that, because... He was a consi- really consistent mainstay in the team that year. Obviously, Neville was Well, I think, I think that's the thing everyone remembers. He was such a consistent player of the team. However, it was at right back. That's not yeah. what he did. And he was a... And obviously, maybe helped that he had Ronaldo ahead of him. Maybe yeah. a little bit better. But obviously, Ronaldo in front of him, maybe does expose you a little bit defensively. But I thought West Brown... Just from a complete right back perspective, he was—I'd say the best right back in the world. You'd have to say that season. Yeah, he was. Well, maybe, maybe Barcelona could say someone. I don't know. If Danny Alves playing for them at the time. Well, I'm not sure, but um, he was fantastic. I mean, I'm not sure if I say he was the best right back, but he was, he was very, yeah. he was very consistent, and uh, he, deser- he deserved his, he de- you know, he deserved his place in the team. But you know, as we as we found out the season after, he goes on to sign the the, the Silver Twins. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing about right backs is you can only be so successful for a period of time. You find that right backs they won't they won't resign at a top quality club yeah. because they won't be good enough to play that. Look at Gary Neville. Like yeah. obviously he was injured, but he was easy exception. Yeah. He resigned at United. But look at Valencia, not really good enough to fill the void at right back. Obviously he was naturally a right winger. Evra yeah. had to sort of retire elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Ashley Cole. Yeah. Not good enough for Chelsea to stay in the left back position. It's it's one of them things that you don't really you won't really see now in a top quality team a player see out his career in that position. Yeah. But he was fantastic for his West Brown. Um, those the season the season before, but obviously Gary never went injured. Well, speaking of, we can debate if he was the best right back in the world or not. But I think we can both agree that the best left back in the world at the time was Patrice Evra. Yeah. Well, that, uh, maybe some people would have a case for. I know Ashley Cole was definitely in his prime at Chelsea then. But um, I thought Evra was just... He, he almost changed the game because we're so accustomed to... after Since Dennis Owen, who was an attacking fullback, he scored goals, yeah. greater goals, but he didn't have that perception of an attacking, maybe because it was the right foot cutting in, etc. Yeah. But I think Evra, just the way he changed the game, I, I think he just added a whole new dimension to the way we attacked. Yeah, so that year he didn't get into the PFA Team of the Year. It was only Rio and Vidic up on the defensive side and obviously Ronaldo in 2007, 2008. You would do the year after. Um, but ridiculous how much he assisted defensively and in attack he had 21 clean sheets in the league that year I think the only bad game ever ever had for us was if he was playing against Aaron Lennon yeah uh, Tottenham he struggled against every 37 other games he was fantastic yeah it was, every was fantastic and obviously we had a top quality left back in uh, Gabriel the season before he left in the summer to go to Real Madrid yeah. um, 
So it's tough for you to throw. Gabriel was consistent for United. He was a mainstay on the, on the left-hand side. But it was Everest time to shine, and he, he really proved his worth. I think he started most games that season um, at left-back. Yeah. He's a really, really, really top-quality player for us, and he would prove to be for many more years to come after that. Now, just on to the next one, which I think you yeah, brought up a little bit before, but because um, obviously you look at what we won in that season, what we really should have, when you look at it, won the treble. However... Portsmouth at home in the FA Cup. The yeah. ref- referee had other plans. Yes, we had got, got we get a goal disallowed in the early on. Or no, it was Ronaldo's penalty. Ronaldo's uh, penalty. Uh, yeah, I think it was Sylvain Distan just yeah, you, just you know, straight red. Com- yeah, oh, it was just the, a blatant nothing. There was no argument about it. Just complete shoulder barge off the ball. And um, but after that, okay, should have a penalty. But then you yeah, got the rest of the game to yeah. But we just it was hit the so post. They grounded out the result. They the, got, the, that that carried me. So he rounded the goalkeeper, and the ball just stuck under his feet and yeah. couldn't bundle it over the line. And, and then, we were caught finalists, to be fair, and on, on course for. Well, Portsmouth go on to win it. Yeah. So that's the thing. Um, I think Portsmouth play. They played Cardiff in the final. And if they Cardiff in the final, obviously won that game. So you look. You never know what's going to happen in football, but you think we'd probably go on to win the FA Cup there quite comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you don't know if you then go on next the next week and win the Champions League, but it looks like you, you, you really you can never predict these things. But it was a really so what, what, good what opp- it was a missed opportunity because the quality of the teams that were left in the tournament um, weren't great. So you know, probably a missed opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Um, now speaking of trophies, um, before we wrap up the 07-08 season, we'll go to the final day of the season, the Wigan match away yeah. at Wigan, which. We were one point ahead or level? Or just needed a win? Um, we were, I think we were a point, a point ahead. Yeah, we, we, needed, p- we, did, we didn't need to win. No, we had needed to win, to win the yeah. game, yeah. And um, I remember the Ronaldo penalty. I think the first one it got, um, he had to retake it. Yeah. He retake his penalty, eventually scored. And then it was a close game. It was 1-0, but Wigan were really piling on. The, not, not so much pressure, but had chances. Yeah, it was, it was one of them games where... You, you go to you go to you play that game in January and you probably win about four or five nil. Yeah, uh, just the mental approach changes. Then it's obviously the last game of the season. You, you, we don't we probably won't back ourselves. We, we would back ourselves, but we wouldn't want to concede first. Yeah. So it's sort of playing the, sort of that defensive approach, but having the, you know the ability to counter. And that's that's a feel why we probably let him a little bit more into the game than we should have done. But it was a quality second goal by Giggs, beating well, outside well, track. Well, that Giggs goal, and again, obviously a quality goal. But you look back over his career, and it doesn't rank in terms of great goals. Though. It's a touch and a finish, a nice finish. However, it is one of the Giggs goals that stands out for me as one of my favourite. I think because he came on as a substitute and he then equaled the Bobby Charlton yeah. appearance record. It was obviously to break it the following week in Moscow. But just the way, almost like that Fulham goal, which Ronaldo scored, which I said one of the reasons it sticks out is in front of the away fans and just the, the way the camera panned yeah. on the celebrations. And I think just the way on that day to sort of seal the title and to run along the away fans sort of be, along behind the goal area um, yeah, is a moment that obviously Giggs, everyone remembers, the shirt off against Arsenal and everything. But for me, that is a moment that really sticks out with Ryan Giggs. And, um, yeah, it's almost a, you'd call it a title-winning goal. Yeah, it was one of, probably one of my favourite games of that year, to be fair, in terms of wrapping it up and yeah. knowing that we're going to play him in the final in a couple of you know yeah. in a couple of weeks later and hopefully, you know, at a time thinking maybe we can do him again, yeah. get one over on him again, which we did. Well, before, okay, so that was obviously the Premier League. Before we go into the following week in Moscow, um, we might as well touch on that Champions League run any moment, which I mentioned the Ronaldo... Um, header in Rome yeah. is a goal that 
just, just visually stands out in terms of everyone sees Ronaldo as this flashy, tricky winger, but this was a goal where it just stood up and just a powerhouse of a header. It was, it was, um, it was probably a campaign where we really proved our worth in the Champions League. Look at the group stage; we were near enough. I think we won five. Of the, we won five out of the first five games. I think we drew to. I think we drew the very last game. It might have been to Lisbon. I think we drew at home. I think we drew at home. I, I remember Ronaldo scored the first goal against Lisbon. He didn't celebrate. But funny enough, like Gerald Piquet, he's got two goals in the Champions League really? campaign that year. Yeah, he scored against uh, Roma, uh, Old Trafford. Oh, I think about been away from home actually, and um, Dynamo Kiev. Yeah. Actually, I saw PK trending on Twitter the other day. It was um, during the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime yeah. show when um, everyone's having a bit of a yeah. jealous approach to him that he's going home to Shakira every night. But PK, I think he was, which obviously we don't want to go sidetrack too much. But he, he did well for United when he played. It was just a shame that he had Rio and Vidic. Yeah, I mean, obviously Rio and Vidic were the height of their, yeah. of their careers. Vidic had sort of just cemented his place after you know a year and a half already at the club. Um, so it's just a shame, really. Yeah. But you know, I don't. I've never regret it's finished. It's been fantastic. Oh, yeah, you know, it was just one of those things where, and it's probably, it was, look what Pico went on to do, it was a good thing for him. Yeah, it's probably better for his career as well. And obviously, he was a Barca boy at heart and went back to his boyhood club. Well, on to Barca, obviously. Yeah. Um, one of the, probably the big moments of the season, everyone always forgets the first leg, but the Skulls um, wonder strike to a 1 yeah. 0. I mean, the campaign we had, like, before, before the Skulls goal, obviously, it was a fantastic goal, but Barca. They were just coming into. Well, I, was, I think they won the Champions League, not the last season, but the season before that. They beat Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah. But they weren't like the fearful Barcelona we know of the modern day. But they were still very, very dominant. And we missed, obviously, we missed Ronaldo missed that penalty for the away goal at the yeah. New Camp. And then Scholes obviously coming in. I thought it was a really good defensive yeah. performance. And one which I think Park played that game as well. Um, he, I know he played the home leg I'm not yeah, sure away. He, he, he probably did play it, away I, think, I remember Park playing and he was terrific and I remember it was just an all round yeah. quality performance where if you look at like a match rating in a newspaper everyone would be an 8 plus out of 10 yeah. it was one of them performances where everyone was fantastic well, it's one of those you hear players interviews over the years and they all talk back to Carlos Quiros's yeah. sort of approach the week leading up to that game in terms of the players almost hated yeah, that, that the week of training where it was so sort of structured, so and, methodical. He, and, um, he, I think he told everyone where he needed to be position wise. When, like, when this player had the ball here, this is where every other single player was. And um, look, if it was tough for the players at training, we'll deal with it because it, yeah. it obviously paid off. So um, I thought Tebas was brilliant that game. One of the one of the key standout games for me was Tebas' performance that game in terms of. I mean, he had a, you, I think you missed one or two chances after the Skulls um, goal. Yeah. But he was just chasing, chasing, you know. Well, which I think you need against Barcelona. Yeah, the ball dogish like um, approach he has. He was, he was brilliant. And, and we had players like that. You look at the quality we had, so much quality, however, I think what did sort of stand out and what proved to be the difference a lot of the times was how much, how, how much yeah. some of our players worked. Obviously, Ronaldo maybe afforded him a little bit of leeway to not work as hard. But still, you, you can counter that by saying he worked hard on anyone at his craft. Yeah. And you look at the campaign as well. We're obviously, we're playing Leon in the 16, Roma in the quarters. It's not really like. They're tough teams. Like, Leon. It's not the toughest. What I'm trying to say is it's probably not the toughest campaign leading up to a final besides the Barca game you could have. Yeah. Um, I think we've had tougher. If you look at um, 99 in Milan and Juve, were, yeah. were probably a bit of a tough game. I mean, even though we played less games, he eliminated around the 16, he went straight into the quarters. It wasn't the hardest. I didn't feel it was the hardest campaign. And that, if you look to the season after, 
even though we played Barcelona, I feel that was tougher. Well, you, you look at that and I completely agree. However, I think sometimes being the best team in the world, yeah. it's always going to be a relative, not easy campaign, but it won't seem as hard because no. I think we're always going to be better than everyone. But it's easy to get complacent in yeah. games. And I suppose at times, if you look at Leon, you know, we did get a bit complacent at home. But, yeah. you know, as soon as we got to the final, I felt, you know, we, we yeah. were from us to win. Well, on to the final. And again, we went in that final as obviously Premier League champions after beating Chelsea to the title. So you do go in their favourites. But Chelsea, as if we were playing at 100%, I think Chelsea, they, they were still good. They were at 95%. Yeah. Uh, they, they were, it was a top two. While we're confident we're going to win, in a final it was... No, anything a, can happen. A little, yeah. little bit almost too close to call. It was almost yeah. even Stevens that game. And um, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into some maybe personal stories about it. But... Um, Obviously, started the game well. Wes Brown with the beautiful cross for Ronaldo, yeah. which obviously they did target. Um, they knew Wesleyan was going to be playing it right back. It was really clever football. He did that oh, yeah, goal, it was from, a, from a throw in as well. Yeah, great goal. And um, obviously, they equalised and then back and forth. Chelsea probably dominated the second half. It was, it, was, it was a really strange game in terms of how the momentum switched um, in between the halves and obviously in extra time as well. It switched as well. And the first 30, 35 minutes. We could have been three four in a lot. Tevez missed um, a really good chance. Giggs should have, you know, scored as well. Carrick, um, Car- sorry, yeah, Carrick in the first. I think Giggs in the extra time. But and that goal came from nothing really. It yeah. was Van der Sar slipped. It was a passing yeah. yeah, um, Lampard yeah. finished as he, as he would do. He's a top quality player. And then it was all Chelsea after that. I mean, they hit the bar, I think twice. Yeah, Joe Cole, Drogba. Yeah, um, and then. Obviously, they have the sending off as well. The Drogba gets sent yeah. off. Yeah, well, I think that was key, uh, just from a mental side of yeah. things. Drogba was taking a penalty. And probably from a penalty perspective as well, he would have yeah, banked on him to score it. Yeah, if exactly. he, if he, he probably would have been taking it in place of someone else. Yeah. Um, so, a really strange game. And then, obviously, we had the, a bit of the upper hand in extra time. I know Giggs should have um, scored. Yeah, off the line by Terry. Yeah. yeah. That was a really close one. Um, but on to penalty before we get on to celebrating John Terry's slip. Um, the one person you do expect to score, which you almost had that feeling he probably yeah. would miss with Ronaldo. Um, it was written in the stars, and I think when he did miss, and it was Ronaldo, you just you just had that feeling. Oh no, nah, it's done. It was a really strange. Again, I say it's a strange game in terms of the mental, but it's a strange penalty shootout in terms of who you'd expect to. You know, obviously you score you score a penalty, it's a goal. It doesn't matter how good the penalty is, but. Obviously, Ronaldo has that miss. The best penalty I thought for us was Owen Hargreaves. Yeah, Rockwood. And that was a pressure after, one. Straight after Ronaldo yeah, missed, he belted it into the top left hand corner. I remember Andy Gray on commentary was like, don't save them. Yeah. Which you don't. There's like no keeper saving that. I think on the the worst penalty, Anderson. Yeah. Well, that was like, hit a boot. That was. And that was his first touch because he came on yeah. like, in injury time next time for Wes Brown to, and, to take a penalty. Yeah, Nannies was very lucky as well. The keeper yeah. got a hand to it. Yeah. But then again, Van der Sar got a hand to Ashley, Ashley Coles. Cole. Well, I think Lampard's I, as well. I, I think my one story for the... Everyone has their own stories about big moments in football. But my sort of football confession is I never saw the John Terry slip because yeah. we were losing and um, Ronaldo missed his penalty. And then that Ashley Cole penalty, I thought Van der Sar had saved it from that first touch. And when it went in... And then it was obviously sudden death from then. I left the room. So I didn't see Nani score. And then I was remember I was just at home this early morning kickoff and I remember dad was watching in the lounge room. I just walked out, went to my room or something. But I could just hear dad and the commentary, sort of the spark in everything when John Terry said, I didn't walk, I didn't run back in in celebration. I just ran back in just sort of almost frustration. I said, look, I can't believe what this club does to me. And I just sort of sat down with focus. I wasn't celebrating or anything. 
And um, you look back at that and how he slipped, how that was... Because you think captain stepping up to win the Champions League final for your club, it was written in the stars for him. Yeah. But um, unbelievably. <laughs> and then obviously JT misses and we go on to win. But what, what I found really strange for them was Anelka taking the seventh penalty. Yeah. You know, you think it's a, it's a striker. I think... Um, this has been on, like, Gary Neville's done a piece on this on his Soccer Box documentary. You think it's a penalty take, he, he doesn't understand why anyone... This is when clubs are playing now, anyone but a striker. Yeah. Anyone, sorry, yeah. except for a striker, takes a penalty. Because yeah. a striker's role is to finish. Yeah. Like, why do you have, you know, defenders or... Obviously, Dennis Irwin was a cracking set piece taker yeah. for us, but... Why, why do you not put yourself forward? And you think, like, why isn't that the confidence to maybe go... Fifth, why have they put him? I don't know if it was tactful in the sense yeah. that they thought, you know, if, yeah. just in case it does go to sudden death or have him on the seventh, it was just a bit of a strange. I, I think one. a lot of penalties do, do come down to the individual's confidence. If, if, if a striker doesn't want to take a penalty, yeah. the manager's not going to make him take no. a penalty. So I think a lot of it's hard to sort of read exactly what happened. But um, it was one of those ones, um, Van der Sar, and again, it's easy looking back, I'll forget the emotion at the time. You had a feeling Van der Sar was probably going to save that one. Yeah, um, he's almost getting close. A he took bit. a very short run up, and um, really, yeah, really short. Oh, you could all see on his face. Yeah. So, um, obviously, a massive save in the club's history, which you could just sort of watch on repeat all day. Um, is there anything else on the 07-08 season? I'm no, I mean, um, in terms of a favourite game, obviously the Champions League. You don't get much better than the yeah. Champions League final, and obviously the last day at Wigan was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I think if you look to the next year, which we will do, it's there's more standout games which you look at and think, wow, that's um, that's how good we were. Yeah. Well, I think we will get into the 0809, so bear with us for five seconds and join us for part two. Okay, welcome back to part two of a special podcast looking at 07, 08 and 08, 09. Now, we've just split this up into two parts because maybe you heard during the first um, part of the podcast that uh, someone on the phone behind us seemed like he's going through a divorce, so he was screaming all <laughs> over the phone. So hopefully he's quieting down. It seems to be quite calm now. I think they found a resolution, so congratulations to them. Um, we'll go straight into the 08, 09, which... We'll go through what we actually won. We obviously won the Charity Shield against Portsmouth. Yeah. You brought to my attention the League Cup, which we'll get into against Spurs at Wembley. Weirdly, which everyone forgets, the Club World Cup. Yeah. Uh, it was in Japan. Club World Cup in Japan, yeah. In Japan. Beat uh, Osaka. And no, all, sorry, Kita. Yeah, the Ecuador team. Ecuador team, yeah, Kita, yeah. And obviously the Premier League, which was our third Premier League in a row and equaled Liverpool's 18th title. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, let's go to the outs. There was um, we had Louis, out of the main outs. There was Louis Saha, um, Jared Pique, Mikel Silvestre all left. Yeah, well, I think Pique left a bit, a little bit later in the year. Okay. Um, Silvestre left for Arsenal. Yeah, we'd won um, that. Chris Eagles. Yeah, oh, I remember his goal away at Everton. Yeah, that's my yeah. one memory of him. He used to be my friend, massive Burnley fan. He yeah. says he's the one million pound Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not a bad description of him. And yeah. then obviously Dong Fangzhou, club favourite, yeah, cult hero. Um, and obviously the ins, the main one, obviously probably the only one I think was um, Dimitar Berbatov. Yeah. Who, look, I personally, I absolutely love Berbatov. I understood all the criticisms that came with him, but um, I thought he was fantastic. Obviously, very different to the type of attackers we did have. Yeah. And um, we'll get into sort of them as a sort of a foursome a little bit later on. But also put under ins, which I think is important to talk about, is Ronaldo stayed. Yeah. Which 
you look back at it now, and we all maybe had a feeling at the time, but back then you don't have that access to the sort of social media and behind the scenes and things as you kind of do now. We all did understand that Ronaldo probably did want to go to Madrid and the club sort of stopped it happening. And you look back now and it seemingly was agreed that he Ferguson said, look, give me one more season, then you can go to Real Madrid at the end of the yeah. season. And I think the reason I bring that up now is you look at it and you look fantastic professionalism. He came in and did another fantastic season. But you compare it now, and I don't want to use this as a stick to beat Paul Pogba with, but it is almost like, well, Pogba is staying here for this season going well I've got to stay for one more season before I get my move yeah and I, I think it's a different con- yeah, yeah completely different, different context different context different stages of the club yeah. club's um, life cycle and success yeah it's um, yeah but it was a very quiet transfer window if you think about it Berbatov um, was deadline day I think Berbatov was deadline day deadline hour almost know. went to City I believe yeah. or his agent tried to tell him to go to City we had not a chance yeah. um, City signed Rabinho he thought he was signing for United. <laughs> he thought he's signing United. <laughs> he didn't realise Man City actually existed. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was a weird one because obviously, as soon as we won the Champions League final, I, I was worried. I thought Ronaldo was gone. He'd won everything there was to win in England. Yeah. He'd won all the major trophies, um, some of which multiple times. Obviously, the Premier League twice. But then the longer the transfer window went on, I thought I was more confident he was going to stay, just due to the fact that. We weren't really linked with anyone, yeah. um, and obviously Manchester Schneider was linked with us as he is every transfer yeah. window around that period for five years. But um, there was no one really that we were linked with, and we're not as brain dead in that department as we are now. In the sense no. that we wouldn't like, let someone go without an, uh, you know a replacement. And that's what I, thought, I found strange, really, in terms of the Berbatov one. He's a very different player to yeah. Sahar. So when Sahar left. It, I thought we'd get you know a like for like replacement, but Berbatov was very different, and there was he came, as you said he came with a lot of criticism. But you ask any former Tottenham player how highly rated he was. I think Robbie Keane classes him besides the alongside the Phil as one of his best transfer, sorry one of his best um, strike partnerships, just in terms of how good he was. Well, I, I look at it, and yeah, people have different preferences on what they like in a player. Some people like, yeah, maybe a technical player, some like a big, powerful, fast player. And Berbatov had so many facets to his game, but I will argue to the death with anyone. He has the best first touch I've ever seen, and I can understand a case for Messi, even Ronaldinho, plays like that, and obviously a lot of players do have a great first touch, but I have never seen a player with a touch like Berbatov. No. It, it, some of the balls he's take out of the, out of the sky, just one touch, complete, straight down, stop the ball dead out of his feet he was um, a joy to work fantastic yeah. and you look, you look at intelligence in a striker it's the absolute, you can have intelligence with so many different attributes for example Ruse was very clinical he wasn't really I don't, I don't think that intelligent in terms of his touch and his passing it was more his finishing whereas Berbatov was such a he was a very very clever player yeah. so I feel really complimented Rooney um, probably more so in later years but it was, I thought he was a fantastic addition um, to the team maybe not so much that first year because I think he probably really came into his own yeah. a couple of seasons later yeah. but it it was a really really positive signing and I think you know a signing that we probably needed um, you, more you, to you, see you, how you, we could probably adapt with Tevez as well I think you can understand Ferguson's thinking behind it getting yeah. him when he did knowing that a big attack from Ronaldo was going to be leaving at the end yeah. of the season yeah, the uncertain future of Carlos Tevez obviously still been on loan not actually a permanent deal yeah so um, 
Yeah, you, you look back at it and well, it was a big money sign and some people even say not not that he failed but sort of maybe didn't live up to expectations but I think if you look back at it I think it was a hell of a signing yeah. right? and if we're signing him in today's market that's probably oh. 140 million yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big, big money signing now we'll obviously get on to that front four and the attacking players which obviously everyone wants to hear about the goals etc but that season it was all about defence as good as we were going yeah. forward um, we were fantastic we were smashing teams and comfortably won there was a record how many games did you say we went so I think we went I think it was 17 games or something like that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 10. 14 games sorry so 14, 14 clean sheets in addition to two extra games where we weren't beaten yeah. so I think we beat Blackburn 2-1 to end the clean sheet record and I think we were, we maybe drew another game uh, where we conceded a goal but we had a ridiculous period stretching from I think November mid-November to mid-March I think, I think that was one of the things which did stand out it was in that I, think, I forget the calibre of opposition obviously you're going to get harder and easy games but it was in that time where it was game after game after game yeah. and I assume the defence did probably change a little bit I think Johnny Evans came in occasionally I mean um, we, we of those clean sheets we only drew to Aston Villa um, away and Spurs away yeah, so away games, but you know you're not lost. You kept a clean sheet, you know. We rubbed that record, but you know we're beaten along the way. We've beaten Man City at the Etihad. We've beaten um, Chelsea at home, convincingly, now as well. well. Three 0 game. As well, we took the dud corner. Yeah, should, yeah. No, that should have been allowed. That should have been allowed. Yeah, to yeah. this day, should be allowed. And um, you, Ferguson always had that. Not well, Ferguson obviously, but you, a lot of United players did have a few little things like that. I remember a few cheeky sort of throw-ins and corners. They did occasionally yeah. try that, and. Um, Oh, look, maybe there is a case. Maybe a referee will have a case saying it shouldn't be allowed. But I thought that was a great free. I think did we score of a corner? No, I think we scored on a free kick from a wide area. I think yeah. uh, Ronaldo crossed one in for Berbatov. But um, yeah, go on. Your point was. Um, yeah, and I'm going to say as well. I don't want to take anything away from Liverpool this year because you know what they've done is, and I hate to say it, is, is ridiculous. But also what should uh, also I don't give any credit yeah, but, yeah. No, but in terms of what we achieved that year in terms of being unbeaten for that period of time in addition to complete, competing against all the major tournaments so we're in a, we're in a club world we won a club world cup championship yeah. we were in a league cup um, we'd, we'd won a league cup during that period yeah. um, we were still in the FA Cup still in the Champions League I think at the end of that unbeaten period, we were third in the Premier League, maybe second. Um, so we climbed up a bit in yeah. terms of where we were. We started the season off probably, I think we were fourth place for quite a while. I also had one of them seasons where they were quite successful. We should yeah. give a lot of credit to United during that period in yeah. the sense that, you know, to keep those amount of clean sheets and not concede and be that good defensively is ridiculous. And it's no, you know, it's no, you know, coincidence that, you know, four of our players defensive players including the keeper winning our PFA team of the year that year yeah. Ever Vidic Ferdinand and the Sarr I think it's one of those things whenever you look at and I think Liverpool do have a good, very good defensive record as well this season but it's obviously you do look at the attacking side of things on the goals win games however these really successful teams on the verge of greatness you always do look back and it is, def- yeah. it is defensively which sets them apart Exactly. and I think that is why because you mentioned there before as great as the season before was 07-08 winning the Champions League I think this season, the 08 09 was a little bit more complete and a little bit. Yeah. We're just more, not, not dominant, but just overall, just a, a far better outfit. And you may remember, but earlier in the, in the podcast, I mentioned the season before we lost five games to the likes of like Bolton, um, City home and away, I think West Ham as well. You look at the teams we're beating, like 1 0, we beat Wigan 1 0, Bolton 1 0. 
um, and this was after the Club World Championships where we're having you know quite a backfill of games to play because of you know competing in so many major tournaments. Those are the games you know that when you win that you know you win titles with. How many times would United play Middlesbrough and you feel confident that we get a win? Not many. River, yeah. Riverside was a bo- yeah. you know, Middlesbrough and the Riverside was a bogey place for us to go. Yeah. We rarely got the win. Do you remember that season before? It was two all. It was snowing in April. Snowing, yeah. Um, we won. I think we won away from home two 0 there. Blackburn remember, it was, as well. it was always a weird game, Middlesbrough. It was always it always seemingly was empty for a Man United game. Yeah. It was always every game when Man United played, it was theirs their team's biggest game of the season but Middlesbrough was always half empty and exactly, I think yeah. the players sort of maybe fell a little bit there was a little bit of a weird atmosphere for the Man United players going there um, but yeah Middlesbrough 100% agree that it was all, never we could be fine yeah no, this is going to be a tricky one and we, we won those really important games I remember Stoke 1-0 um, the first time we played Stoke away I think it was during the Christmas period we beat them 1-0 away you know away from home it was we were winning really important games and the fact that we got so far in domestic tournaments as well, it gave the players that weren't playing often a lot of game time. So when they were called upon in the Premier League, they had the fitness, they had the match sharpness to come in and you know do a job. Look at Tevez, um, even Welbeck scored a few yeah, goals last season before he, he had his loan spells. I think he came on for his debut and scored that. Yeah, he um, scored the really fifth against range. Stoke. Yeah. yeah. Well, we touched on the Club World Cup, which we obviously over in Japan beat Liga to Quito from Ecuador. Yeah. Um, but. Obviously, and I think you do have to remember at the time you look at that, and obviously Liverpool have just done that. You almost over overlook it, um, yeah. the Club World Cup these days. But when you do look back ten years later, you think, well, it is something to hold your hat on that you're world champions. Obviously, it's not the Champions League, but um, it is something you you look back on. You do have to sort of you do count as success. Yeah. So, um, but going from technically when you look at it like that, the biggest trophy in the world being world champions to the mighty League Cup final where Ferguson rested half the team. Yeah. Could you imagine that now going into a final like that against Spurs? Okay, Spurs weren't the team they are now, but Spurs were a very good team. No, and they, I think they beat um, I think they were League Cup winners two seasons before against okay. Chelsea. Yeah, or maybe the season. Actually, in fact, actually, maybe the season before against no, Chelsea. Might have been, yeah. yeah, they beat Chelsea for the league card. And obviously, so rest of the players, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember Rooney and Van der Sar watching the penalty shootouts from the sideline yep. in their suits. So obviously, big players. I remember Ronaldo played again, which we mentioned earlier. Ronaldo was just one of those players he when, when, play when he was fit. He was just played. And um, I think Richie Delatz. Um, did he play in that game? Did he? I know we signed him. That. Oh no, sorry. He, that was my. No, no, sold no, him possibly yeah, not. But um, well, the one outside the box there was obviously Van der Sar was on the bench. That was Ben Foster who stepped yeah. up, and um, you've mentioned before the iPad. Yeah, the iPad gates. Um, I think he researched every penalty yeah. that Spurs uh, will the Spurs takers were likely to go, and he, I think he saved. How many did he save? I think he saved three. two. I remember three. Bentley. Uh, I missed the target, but I remember he saved one from Jamie O'Hara. I yeah. remember that was it. And um, well, we mentioned probably the no, no, I don't want to say the worst penalty in Moscow, but Anderson's um, obviously. I would say dodgy penalty in Moscow. He stepped up to score the winning penalty in this yeah. one, which is obviously a fine penalty, tucked away into the corner. And I think it was a sign of where we were at the club at that time. If we win a League Cup now, it shirts off, everyone's going nuts. Yeah. But that League Cup, when you win a shootout... It was nothing. The players sort of walked up and sort of just shook hands. There was no... There was, I, I was at Wembley, like, there was, I was bit, in the heavens. There was a bit of jumping up and down, but nothing... There was no literally real no celebration. Obviously the fans were happy, you know, it's a, it's a trophy, we're happy, but... We're winning so many things in that period of time where it's, just, it's routine. It's like, and 
it's around at the time where you know we had that saying with United Man United not arrogant just better Yeah. it really sums up that period because it was just you know that's what we do we do what we want we win trophies and I think that stems from almost that attitude did stem from Ferguson's team selection yeah. by, by not being any strongest team it was okay Ferguson's not taking it that seriously well it is what it is then we'll just if we, if we win that's good if we lose well, well how many times has he done that where, yeah. you, look, you look at Schalke in the semi-final a couple of seasons later he rests it's one of those ones where so I think, we can beat Chelsea this year yeah, a couple of games later Darren Gibson scored in that and yeah. I remember it's one of those ones people forget Anderson scored a um, Champions League semi-final double yeah. um, actually I just want to talk a little bit on so it's obviously the League Cup um, a little bit on Anderson because he obviously stayed for a few more seasons and everyone looks back at Anderson as a little bit of a almost a joke a little bit of a meme everyone has their little quirks about him that okay he never lived up to his potential or he was a horrible player he's shocking if you actually look back at his time at United, especially those the two seasons which we're currently discussing, he was good. He was cracking. He was a very good player. It did, after that, it didn't sort of kick on. It didn't eventuate. He had obviously his fitness issues, which people sort of sort of do use as, as a stick to beat him with. But those two seasons, and you mentioned before, Ferguson trusted him. Yeah. And for a young player, was he eighteen or nineteen? He was, he was really young. Trusted him big time in big games. He, he loved United. He was. He was one of them players that you thought, you know, was very... I don't know what the term he'd use now. Into, like, say if Anderson was playing with us now, he'd be on Instagram, yeah. like Jesse. Yeah, but he's the life... He was the life and soul of the club. Yeah. Fergie loved him. The team loved him. Yeah. And he did a really good job. Obviously, he came with a stigma that he was the Golden Boy. He won the Golden Boy Award before he signed for us. Um, and obviously you want to see some results with that and he, I think he justified that with the amount of assists he got but he didn't score as, as many goals as he should I think he scored zero in terms of the yeah. first two seasons you know he, he should have got a lot more goals yeah to his um, name yeah no but I, I definitely I loved Anderson I thought he was cracking player yeah. um, it was a shame how it ended but it is what it is now maybe the low light there's not a low light of the two seasons all fantastic and we won pretty much everything but something we might as well touch on because it was kind of a pivotal moment the Liverpool 4-1 at yeah. Old Trafford um, my main takeaway from that is the memes following it where Gerard sought out the camera to kiss the camera yeah. but then you, later on in the season has Ryan Giggs kissing the trophy Yeah. so um, that is what I take from it but you can't hide from the fact it was a, a bit of a shit day yeah it was just one of them I mean it was one of well, the we, games we, we, we took the, the, we took the lead, didn't we yeah we, we, we sort of We'd come off that unbeaten, we'd come off that unbeaten run, and I think it was the first game we actually lost. But after the unbeaten run, we'd sort of cemented first place. I think we're a couple of points ahead of Liverpool, and it sort of allowed them back into the race a little bit. And I think it was one of them ones we took for granted. I mean, we've had a lot, we've had a lot of success against Liverpool for the past two seasons. We beat them home and away 06-07. We beat them home and away 07-08. So you, you sort of had that little bit of arrogance. I know we lost them early in the season at Anfield. Yeah. We had that little bit of arrogance about them thinking, you know, job done already. But there's still 10 games after the season. Yeah. And I, I remember I was at that game. We were, we were really poor. Yeah. We were really, really poor. We made some very bad decisions individually. We were way off the mark in terms of the attack. Vidic was just schooled by Torres. Oh, yeah. And, they, and, they, and you, I watched um, a documentary with Carragher. Um, a couple of weeks ago where they talked about that game and they played on Savidic's weakness and in terms of Ferdinand's vulnerabilities as well and what he was capable of doing obviously he was a bit faster than Vidic yeah. and it was sort of a, a masterclass in terms of complacency 
I think one of those. It's one of those games where you can. Look, it happens. Obviously, the best team. Then it's what happens to the best. But it's one of those ones when it rains, it pours. Yeah. If you're not at the races and the other team is, there's nothing you can do. Sometimes you almost try too hard to sort of make up the difference. And when it's just not your day, no. sometimes games like that are just written in the stars where it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. And um, that was definitely it. And well, thankfully, it didn't eventuate to anything. Um, but it was one of those ones that do stick out. But following following on from that game, the grit from the team, the grit from yeah. United oh, in terms uh, of the comebacks we had. That and might be something that sort of did help the team in the long run. Exactly, yeah. And I think any one of those games after Liverpool, for me, stands out as being so important for us in winning that title. Well, we'll, we'll get into definitely, yeah, there's, yeah, as you say, there are a lot of sort of key games in that time. But on the Liverpool one, I think something's worth discussing just a little bit is Rafa and his facts. Yeah. And that, that was the time... It, could you imagine something like that happen now like the outrage right, in terms of the attention will get fans and etc yeah. but you look back at it then and I remember thinking why is he doing that, that that's not going to help that plays into Ferguson's hands I've never seen anything like that happen since I, I, I was watching think why is he going after Ferguson and from my memory I don't have the transcript of what he was saying but all these facts they weren't really facts no. they were wrong like Ferguson was like the highest fined manager in the league and he's saying Ferguson never gets fined and yeah. like, just little things we're just thinking you just sound like a bit of Liverpool fan like they're not actually facts they're just sort of your perceived myths and I don't think any of that plays on the sort yeah. I mean Gerard's spoken about it since then and Carragher has all the EX pros and he they have no idea what he's, what he's doing really um, did it probably affect their season Maybe a little bit, but you I think we're probably going to win. Any, we're probably too strong anyway. Do you, do you take to yeah. take that, that much of that into consideration to affect your game? Probably not. It's, it's not calling this team out for being, you know, showing a lack of desire because they they took us near enough all the way. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'd won it two, three games to go, but they took us near enough all the way. They were well in there in that game at Old Trafford. Brought them back into, you know, brought yeah. them back into it. Yeah. Now, okay. Well, enough about our only loss it seems in those two years is the one you do remember onto some of the games during the running now, I think the one that does stick out for me is the 5-2 against Spurs yeah. now, just before we get into that obviously went 2-0 down um, it was a what about the Villa one before that though? Oh, was the Villa game? Villa game was okay, well, Villa game was straight after the Liverpool one. Actually, I think I, th- I think I remember that. I think yeah, because they still hate Makeda to this yeah. day. So we'll get into the Villa one, obviously. Were we two 0 down or one? We went one 0 up. We won a lot. Ronaldo had scored an indirect free kick. I think, I think it was a back pass, but Milner. Yeah. Um, and he's, it was a, I'll tell you what, it's a cracking oh. finish because people forget it. It's like it was a free kick ass, but yeah. in the, you know inside the box. Inside the box, right? So um, obviously. Makeda coming off the bench at 2-2. Ronaldo scored the equaliser as well. Um, and Makeda to come on to make his debut. And everyone just has that memory of that goal in terms of the commentary, I think, made it. Martin Tyler's commentary. The fact that it was a great goal. People yeah. forget what a classy goal it was. The ball by Giggs, the celebration. I just remember he had the audacity to tell Giggs where to put it. Yeah. Oh, I, um, think, I think... Is it like he, an 18, 19 He, he definitely old. knew what he was doing. He, yeah. where he, he, the awareness of him. And um, he definitely turned into the best player in the world for two days, for two weeks, because he obviously scored, I think, or deflected in a goal against Sunderland the week after. But um, that is a, a moment that you do look back on and think. It, it, it sent a, real, a message, you know, to the more senior players in the in the squad. Yeah. Um, you know, you had Welbeck playing that game as yeah. well. Welbeck came on, Makeda came on, and I think he sort of just made the decision to say, you know what, go for it, because we're not really. It was a re- I remember it was a really we were really poor we went 1-0 up um, I think we started the game really well 
then they fully deserve to be in front and they were quality um, and we would just show again that complacency you saw in the Liverpool game where Ronaldo wasn't really fat, you know, providing the answer yeah I know we got the equaliser and it was a great finish it was one of them it was very similar to that Rooney goal against City a couple of seasons later where he just placed it into the corner and the keeper just yeah. has no chance of getting it but the individual we talk about individual performances of Ronaldo the individual performance of Makeda to just step up and yeah. I remember I, I remember watching that goal maybe 20 times when I went home for oh, the match about 20 I watched yeah, 220 like, like, but straight away like consecutively yeah. <laughs> just watching it over over and again yeah. I still watch that game back yeah. it's quality yeah it is a moment that does definitely stick out well that guy on the phone just walking past obviously was happy with it as well but <laughs> the one that I've got um, the Spurs which I've just mentioned yeah. um, 2-0 down the look I'll take it but a dubious penalty on Michael Carrick to give us the um, to kick start we need of yeah. um, Howard Webb awards the penalty which we can now, ten years later, say it probably wasn't a penalty, <laughs> but um, we'll take it. And the the point I have on the, this game, well, obviously a fantastic comeback. Yeah, it was a weird comeback. Obviously, scoring five goals in the second half, coming from behind, but not doing it in front of the Stratford end. Yeah, um, going the other way, which is a little bit weird. But the point I have with that game is, I don't have this as a, an absolute fact, but it's the first time from memory where. Tevez, Rooney, Ronaldo and Berbatov were all on the pitch at the same time. There was always a call for it, but it just never happened. Um, it's well, the only memory I have. And I think that. we're 2-0 down and they brought Tevez on at half time yeah. and all four were on and we go on to win 5-2 in one of the most... Those, those, we'll, we'll talk about Tevez individually in a bit, but those last five games where were the making of sort of like the fans' desire to want Tevez to really sign, you know, yeah, to stay with the from the contract. He was phenomenal but that, that Spurs game was again similar to Villa we were just so poor in the first half and then he just makes them changes and he, you, you knew straight away oh. as soon as we scored that first goal yeah. we weren't even just going to win 3-2 we yeah. were going to absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. it was one of those like, every time Ronaldo and Rooney got the balls okay we're going to score here and I remember Ronaldo getting the the, the the third goal was in front and he just like throws his shirt into oh, the ground shirt, and he's just moving like, like this sculptured body <laughs> and he did, you remember like he didn't Ronaldo scored a few goals for us at the start of the season but he, didn't, he never really celebrated and fans won his back a bit for that and I think he scored a fantastic free kick against Middlesbrough sort of released attention from him and he, he yeah. started you know I want to say getting that desire because I think the desire to always play well was there he never dropped that desire but the passion you know for yeah. the club as well it's sort of ended on a really positive note and yeah. he was quality that game oh. oh yeah I think games like that do sum up some of those players times of the club yeah. in terms of their I wouldn't say professionalism but just their sort of quality as a player in terms of being able to step up when yeah. needed because obviously a lot of there's a lot of great players you look at our team now we've got players with fantastic ability but it turns, it's about producing um, and, the, and they did they was the unity in the team around that time there were so many times towards the back end of that season where we, where we were behind obviously the Villa game I think when we played Sunderland the game after we were behind there and Makeda scored the winner yeah. and then obviously Spurs were behind later on we played Wigan at the DW I think the penultimate game in the, or the third last game of the season um, were behind yeah Carrick scored yeah Carrick scored and Tevez yeah. sorry Tevez and Carrick scored so we had a lot of grit and a lot of firepower you know and desire to you know to get the to get the wins yeah um, obviously well that pretty much did wrap up the Premier League I think we won it with a draw at Old yeah. Trafford to Arsenal we, we drew I think we played City the game before Tevez scored hit the, hit the right side of the post and he did that yeah, in front of hands Ferguson. on his ear in front of the I don't think it was oh, I think yeah. it was more towards the boards I, I felt it was defo- but yeah looking yeah. back as a while ago but yeah there was that tension as yeah. you say he was just going on to Tevez I thought in terms of some of the strikes I've seen at Old Trafford 
those two years I thought he was I thought he was world class for United and he's one of the players I look back on and Fergie's always scared to, well not scared he just doesn't agree with it but I think he's one of the, he's the one player I wish we kept uh, I think I think if he did stay yeah. you, you were going into that period losing Ronaldo and obviously who we did replace Ronaldo and Tevez with obviously not the same quality in terms of Michael Owen and Valencia I mean Tevez stayed I think we'd still mention him in the maybe not a Ronaldo category, yeah. but he would be a, almost a pretty much a club legend. I think because yeah, he had it. He was, he was everything. Did, not only what a fantastic player he was, but how much the fans loved him. Yeah, uh, I think, and I think that plays a part in how you yeah sort of, and the, you, you the negativity the now as well in terms of going City. I thought he probably won't agree with this, but he he went obviously he went to City, but he prides that he he, re, he loved the club as well. The fans loved him, and he loved the club. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you think, oh, how can you do that if he, he goes to Man City? But it's not the same one of the, for a one South of, American player. No, one, one, definitely one of the best players um, I've ever seen in an Nazi kit in that position. I think a lot of people really talk, a lot of people, how much he brought to the team. Yeah, well, a lot of people close to the club now. You look 10 years later, are looking at it and think, well, Tevez did what he could to try and stay at the club. It was Ferguson who yeah. didn't want to do it. So, And obviously, it's gone on. It left a sour taste in everyone's mouth in terms of some of these actions and words. But... Yeah, it's just a shame because I think he was, as you say, he was brilliant. And, yeah, um, yeah just, uh, as I said, just a shame because I don't think we have that success in those two years without him. No, um, exactly. Um, that, the game against Wigan, we came on. Yeah. Really important goal. Yeah, a good goal, a little flick, yeah. wasn't it? Back heel flick. Um, yeah, so that obviously did wrap up the, well, pretty much wrap up the Premier League. Now, the Champions League, which obviously did make the final, and we don't want to touch on the final too much because Barcelona were obviously on a different level. Not so much the level they were on in the 2011 final but they obviously were far better than us yeah. in the 2009 final but the big bit of the Champions League that does stand out that season was the away leg at Arsenal yeah. semi-final well, what's the memory that sticks out there because I well, think people underestimated how tough that semi-final was Arsenal were top of the league for a large proportion of that season and you're going into that game having lost to them already at the Emirates um, and the first leg John O'Shea scored but I think we had, a, we had numerous chances but 1-0 is different it's not like one. it's not bad to lose 1-0 away yeah. if you're the away team too if bad. you're coming home, yeah, to it's home not, I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the worst result obviously you want a goal so going into the second leg 1-0 it's probably just the same as being 0-0 really it's yeah. not that you know, significant. Yeah, I had to go and score. But I thought it was one of them games where we were just phenomenal. Yeah. And I felt bad for Fletcher. Obviously, Fletcher had that sending off. Yeah, but yeah. we were just so good on the counter. Yeah. Counter attack. And I, m- I remember Sky used that counter attack goal as one of their promotions for like HD. Yeah. And it was, it made, I think they made the plays disappear. And they showed the movement of the ball. And it just shows how. It just summed up how United were that season in terms of breaking and getting. Yeah, it, it was a different level. Like a lot of people look back and say they talk about what a counter-attacking style is and good counter-attacking teams and players that suit that system. But that goal, where Park Rooney Ronaldo, it just had everything about what you want from a counter-attack. It had yeah. the way that all the players broke. The players, it wasn't just running in needless directions. Everything had a purpose in their running. The passing was precision at pace. The power and actually, obviously the part, the ball moved at pace. But you had three. Well, Park wasn't the quickest player, but you had two of the quickest players on the pitch at full pelt yeah. running. And Park and was a big game, big big game yeah. player, big big game player. Um, 
it was just it was a bit well, dampened with the Fletcher centre obviously scored the first goal in that game but yeah. the, could you remember the other two goals actually well the Ronaldo free kick which a lot of people do blame it and I mean it should do better yeah. from that distance but it was a weird free kick where it seemed to pick up pace as it got close yeah. to the goal. I think Almunia was just caught off guard of shit, how much power has he got in this from distance? And um, yeah, okay, maybe a keeper mistake, but I think one of my favourite Ronaldo goals, and mainly because the kit, it was one of my favourite kits, that blue kit. Um, just yeah. had it, just a. I saw that. Yeah, just just, that just like a presence about it. And maybe it is sort of Ronaldo, that sort of picture when he's cel- running yeah. off celebrating. It was a sort of real iconic kit for me. I thought it was, yeah, you know, the campaign itself, it wasn't an easy Champions League campaign. Oh. We only got 10 points in the group stage. Um, a lot of draws in, in, in the group stage. We were obviously close to going out to Porto, had it not been the Ronaldo free kick in the quarter final. Um, we beat, one thing for now, we beat a Mourinho into Milan, um, who would go on to win yeah. the Champions League the season after. So, probably a tougher campaign towards the latter stages of the knockouts. They're facing a really good Italian team in Inter Milan. Porto probably proved to be the easiest one but it was actually the hardest in terms of how close we were to being eliminated and then the easiest one in terms of result was probably Arsenal which, yeah. you, wouldn't, which you wouldn't really associate yeah no, as mentioned many times you can sometimes never pick it on paper when you look back um, it does make a fool of you sometimes now yeah Champions League final there's a case you know, if we had Fletcher but I think Barcelona would just no, uh, we, if, we, if we took a chance early on Maybe it's a different game, but as soon as you miss those two chances, then they score. Yeah, and they took control of it. And it, it said it wasn't as bad as the final at Wembley. No, but um, it was very, very similar games in the sense that for United started both games really well. For eight minutes, we were eight or ten minutes. We were, you know, yeah. you think if you score, if you score that first half chance, or if you score the first chance, you know, it could be a very different game. Um, and it's very similar. It's very similar in how. Pe- probably played against United even for City when the games we've lost to them we've always been good and I looked at the game last season at Old Trafford where we started the game off really well for 10 minutes and then just got you know murdered it's almost like a boxer a real professional boxer sort of just studying their opponent for those first two three rounds yeah and then studying okay I've got all the data now this is what we're going to do yeah Um, so look we can throw it all we want at Pep but obviously a fantastic manager and always has fantastic players so when you have that recipe you're going to have a team so um and you always, I think the, the one thing about that season is you're quite negative about it in the sense that you know we've lost the Champions League final and people look at 2008 with fond memories obviously because we get that first Champions League title since 99 um, but 2009 was ridiculous we won the, we'd, we'd won sort of a treble we won yeah. the league the Club World Cup and a domestic treble well, well, I think Cup. you look at everyone looks yeah that treble went into 99 um, and you look back at famous victories like the 68 team and it's you almost don't always appreciate it when you're living in the moment and obviously it's only 10 years ago a yeah. bit over 10 years ago but it still feels in the moment it was our most successful period as a football club and it's sort of hard to sort of understand that that we've yeah. just witnessed what people will be talking about in 100 years time exactly and they'll talk back about this period of 2008 or 2007 to 2009 yeah and I hate you sound like a broken record I know we have that song now with Ollie's at the wheel the greatest of English football we've won it all yeah. we almost won it all in, in one season yeah. well the only thing there was the FA Cup one game away one game away yeah. from the F, with an FA Cup literally won lost it all. and lost the Champions League final yeah. you win you know two more games you've, yeah. you've won it all in a so, year yeah. ridiculous yeah no I said um I think people hopefully do look back and obviously everyone does appreciate it but sort of realise what we have seen a lot of fans a lot of fans of a lot of big big football clubs can only dream of what sort of we have witnessed 
And those years, those years were special in terms of how good the football was, um, how good we were defensively, which is a rare commodity to talk about now. 21 clean sheets in 08-09. Obviously, that record in sorry, 21 clean sheets in 07-08, and in 08-09, that record from you know probably the hardest time of the year to keep a clean sheet in terms of the amount of games you get in. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. And I don't think that will ever be done again. I don't think the clean sheet record will be broken for a long, long time. Yeah. No, yeah, hard to argue. Um, hopefully Liverpool don't do it. But we will start to wrap it up there, I think. Is there anything... I think maybe finish on over the two years. Yeah. Is there a, like a favourite a favourite moment maybe just even a, a real personal one that does stick out for specific I used to, reasons I used to love the song um, they used to sing about City during that time Good where they just got the billion and they used to sing City's going down with oh, a billion, billion in the bank. bank and someone's shouting more <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, I think for me the, the, obviously taking away the fan I think the, my favourite my favourite game of that, that moment was um, favourite Premier League game was the, the Tottenham at home yeah. just in terms of looking at the grit in the team the European game was Porto. It was great to win the League Cup as well. And having the arrogance to just quash it and think, yeah, we've won it. Yeah. That's it. That's all that matters. And, you know, no need to celebrate. I think mean, for me, a moment just to get that Skulls one against Barcelona. Yeah. Remember just... Not so much the Skulls goal, that last 10 minutes, the nerves holding on was just an emotion which you can't replicate like yeah I hated football with all my passion for, for 10 minutes I hated the game yeah I said why do I support I hate men you know why am I doing this why am I doing this but then when that whistle goes the relief is just unbelievable I also even though the game wasn't great winning the 19th title yeah um, at home to Arsenal I think we just played them at the Emirates to go to the final and United they used to have um we used to do remakes of songs so they had a, yeah. their own version of Que Sera okay. about going to Italy and one of the verses in a the line they, used to, they played it just before kickoff, and they went we went to Arsenal and we scored three now nah, we're off to Italy and then when yeah. they said we scored three all like 67,000 United fans that were there went up to the Arsenal fans and were just like way <laughs> like that and they just yeah. I just I, 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 there's a moment that really stood out for me in um, the build up to that game and then it just summed up the happiness during that period of how good we were and how arrogant we were. Yeah. I just say, I think the arrogance is a good thing. I'd say not arrogant, not um, just, just better. better. Yeah. Just better. So I think mean, that is a good way to wrap this up. I've really enjoyed it. Better than talking about current... Felt um, like a Liverpool fan living, living yeah. in the past. <laughs> well, it is so far in the past. I keep saying 10 years. It's over 10 years yeah. ago. But, um, it's in the, the noughties. Um, but thank you again all for listening now as we mentioned at the start of the podcast if you want to do a podcast like this whether online over Skype or um, at the pub here feel free all you have to do think of a topic it might be a player might be a current issue might be a season um, if you enjoy listening to this we just try and do these during the breaks to fill the void of no football so I um, really hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast enjoy doing it very much so, a great so podcast. Um, thank you a lot for that Josh and um Make sure you follow everyone on all our social media, so United Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe on your podcast app. And if you are, you're holding your phone right now as you're listening to this, so while you're doing that, if you can just click five stars and give a rating or review, whatever your podcast app allows, that will make me feel a lot better. So again, thank you all for listening, and chat to you next week. Cheers.